we do the best that we can do with what we have in the moment and we don't have to live in shame and feel judging ourselves all the time and thinking other people are judging us so you know we have a saying it's in my book next play you know you just kind of move on and try not to make the same mistakes again um, and get yourself in those difficult situations Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and welcome to another episode of Mom to Mom, the podcast. I'm so glad you're here this morning. I have such an amazing guest. So today we talk about what it's like raising an NBA superstar. You know what? Scratch that. Two NBA superstars and a thriving content creator. Many of us We'll never know what that feels like, but there's a lot that you're going to learn today and a lot that you can take from this because today I'm sitting down with Sonia Curry. She is, of course, the mom of Steph, Seth, and Sidel Curry, and we are going to dive into her book called Fierce Love. So we talk about everything from raising kids as she navigated life as a famous NBA wife And then what it was like to open up in the way that she did in this book and get so vulnerable. I mean, she shares some things that are beyond personal and really never talked about before moments uh, that went on in the Curry household. So we go there, we laugh, we cry, and ultimately, you know, we celebrate just what it is to be a mom. And we're all trying to do the same thing, right? We're trying to raise happy, healthy, well-adjusted kids. And she's got some great, great advice for us. And I think mostly I just appreciated how real she got in this conversation and how vulnerable she was. And we really talked about things that I know were really difficult for her. Um, Also, you won't really know this by listening to the podcast, but she was recording at Steph's house and we were on Zoom and she was having technical difficulties. And guess who she called? for help. Yep, NBA superstar champion Steph Curry came in, saved the day, and helped mom with her technical issues. So I got a a Steph Curry cameo, and it was pretty fabulous. So just wanted to share that with you as well. Anyway, here is my chat with Sonia Curry. You're going to love her. Well, good morning, Sonia. Welcome to Mom to Mom. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to our conversation. Yes, we've got (laughs) all types of time to dig in. That's what's so great about this show is we really can like, because some of the stuff we're talking about here, you know, you can't just scratch the surface. There is, especially with your book, there's a lot of stuff. So I see your lovely book there beside you. She's out. (laughs) Tell us about Fierce Love and congratulations. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm still kind of pinching myself that it actually is here. And yes, I see it as, you know, another one of my babies. But, you know, Fierce Love just was is my opportunity to just kind of just share from a mother's perspective, just some insights into the challenges of being parents, but and being a mom and that go and what goes into that, you know, the doubting yourself, you know, trying to just not mess up and make mistakes and just wanting everyone to just be encouraged to just not take life too seriously, but intentionally parent and know that as long as you do that and you put a lot of love into it and passion into it, it's all going to work out fine. 
I think that's what's so hard about parenting is the stakes are so high, right? Because yeah. we just all want what's best for our kids. So exactly. it's easy to be hard on ourselves. And we talk about that a lot on this show because we go to bed at night and sometimes it wasn't an A plus day. <laughs> and, you know, at work or in sports or things like that, we can beat ourselves up about it, but it's not family and it's not kids. And that's number one. And we just don't want to screw anybody up. So that's the right. stakes are very very high. And we're going to get into your parenting style in that in a minute. But before we go any further, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. We're here in Boston. <laughs> and, you know, not a sore loser here. So congratulations. But it's what a wild ride that was. It was. And, you know, I wasn't going to bring it up myself because I was like, OK, you know, don't want to uh, in. vinegar into a wound, you know, right now. But awesome. I mean, just from start to finish, I mean, no one would have ever thought we'd have been where we are right now at the beginning of the year, but things yeah. just lined up and come together at the right times when they're supposed to. And so, yes, we had a great time yesterday with our parade celebrating and, you know, now just looking forward to the summertime. You know, the, the trash talking got really intense this time. And we've been talking about it a lot. I mean, as I said, here in Boston, sometimes, you know, they go low, we go lower when it comes to Boston sports. Uh, so not proud of some of that, but I wonder, I mean, you've been in this game a long time. We're talking like three decades that you've been part of, you know, an NBA family. So does that ever get under your skin? Or at this point, is that is that business and you're able to put that kind of stuff aside? Like what's the conversation in the Curry family or is there any? I mean, it's always a balancing act because, well, I will say, first and foremost, I had a great time in Boston. I mean, the people Good. that we sat around, you know, it was, we had fun. We would go buy each other drinks and, you know, and I'm, I'm good at bantering back and forth too. So I'm not an innocent person in all this. I can talk a little smack too, but with that, you know, in mind, you know, fans paid lots of money to come to these games and, you know, they want to have fun and it gets competitive. And so you do have to learn how to grow thick skin. You got to let some things pass. But I, I have a, this thing where I'll sit down and kind of survey my uh, neighbors in the arena. And then if I hear somebody start off quickly, I just automatically turn around and say, look, families in the area have fun. But we not, we're not going to cross lines. And I have never had an issue once I've kind of shared that information with other fans and stuff. So, yeah, some of it, it's going to happen. People come, you don't know what they've been through during the day and they, you know, blowing off steam or they're just bad sportsmen. It doesn't matter. We we have to just roll with the punches. We just have yes. to do that. Yes. And like I said, you've been in this game a long time. And as you say in the book, you've been very good at standing up for yourself over the yes. years. So <laughs> I don't worry about you with that stuff. So let's get back to the book. And, you know, as we talked about, it's, it's, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, you get very personal. So I'm wondering now that it's out there for the world to see, how are you feeling? Are you feeling vulnerable? When it first came out, yes, I was very nervous. And especially after, you know, some of the personal things I've been going through lately, you know, you redefine, like, will people accept the book for just the book itself? You know, does it have to ride on 
the popularity of me being an MBA wife and those kinds of things. And can the book stand on its own for what it's about and for the purpose that God allowed me to uh, write it? And so I worry about that. I worry about what people are going to say. But I don't read a lot of it. I let somebody else handle all my social media. If it's something I want to respond to, I respond to. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I've been scared. I've been literally scared enough to say, even right before it came out, that I don't want it to come out. Like calling my uh, publisher, like, okay, I'm going to have to pay y'all money back because I don't want to do this. So yeah, it's been real moments of just uh, flat out fear. Um, but now I'm feeling great about it. I just feel like I'm getting in a flow with just continuing to focus back on the purpose of the book and um, just having conversations with people. Yeah. And big conversations. I mean, one of the things in the book that you talk about, and you took a lot of courage, I'm sure, is to talk about terminating a pregnancy. Yes. And even with your son, Steph, that that was a consideration. I mean, he may not be here today if other decisions were made. A lot of courage to bring that up. And I'm wondering how people are responding to that because there's a reason you were called to do that. And I'm just wondering how that reaction has been. You know, again, I haven't read a lot of that stuff yet because I just want to kind of get through the playoffs and I wanted to start promoting the book. And so, you know, having those deeper conversations, I haven't really been in an a venue or a situation yet where I've been able to actually do that. And I'm looking forward to the second phase of promoting the book and, and, and those conversations will come up, but I just encourage people, you know, I had somebody say, if you knew what you knew now, would you make the same decision? And I said, you know what, if I knew what I knew now, probably not because I would have more faith in the fact that God would have worked that situation out for me for good and, and everything would have been okay. But I didn't have that kind of faith back then spiritually that I have now. So I made the, I would have made the same decision because I didn't have the faith. And then, so I just encourage people to not live in kind of a, a sense of judgment all the time that we do the best that we can do with what we have in the moment and we don't have to live in shame and feel judging ourselves all the time and thinking other people are judging us so you know we have a saying it's in my book next play you know you just kind of move on and try not to make the same mistakes again and get yourself in those difficult situations so yeah Learned a lot through all that. So let's talk a little bit about your parenting style. It's something that you talk about in the book a lot. And you've got such successful, and that's like an understatement, children, um, successful children. So we're like, let's pick your brain a little bit. Let's talk about what your parenting style was, because you were kind of a strict mom, right? Yes. Yeah, I just figured God made two parents for my children their father and, and myself, their mom. And so there's no one else that really can play those roles as mom and dad, but they can have lots of friends and their friends need to be their friends. And, you know, I struggled sometimes with, with this as I reflected back as I was writing the book and I was like, was I too strict that, you know, did I, did I just not allow enough time to do make those connections and be a confident and friend? 
Um, but then I just was like, you know what? There's some things I didn't want, really want to know about my children. <laughs> uh, and they can tell their friends and do all that. Uh, maybe it's too much. They say TMI, too much information. But, you know, it was it's my job. They were, you know, given to me by God. And my responsibility was to raise them. And so, you know, I tend to be really serious about anything that I do and, and kind of an old soul. So as I'm parenting my children, that's just the way that I thought was, you know, I'm going to focus on being mom and, you know, get that out of the way. And then down the road, once they're adults, then we can really like, I can open myself up to being more of that friend. But, you know, for me, it was a little bit, again, I, you know, I talk a lot in my book about fear. I was just scared really to if I'm worrying about being their friend, I'm going to miss out on something that I need to do mm-hmm. as their parent and, and protecting them and, and train and guiding them and nurturing and raising them. And so I just didn't want to miss out on that and not do take care of that responsibility. Yeah. I mean, you take that role very seriously as we all do, but you said something that kind of resonated with me about that, having the open line of communication with your kids. Like there's some things you don't want to know, right? But you want them to be able to talk to you. So where's the line? I mean, cause I'm coming up, my kids, you know, five and eight. So we're not quite there yet. They can share with me whatever they like. But as we get into the teen years, right, there's some things that are probably maybe not for my ears. Right. (laughs) So where is that line and how do you make them feel comfortable to share with you, but not like you said, overshare TMI? You know, my stomach is just gyrating right now when I'm thinking (laughs) about that, because, you know, I'm very insecure in that place because I think maybe I could have allowed a little bit more of uh, an avenue for those conversations. But I think that's where as a parent, you have to decide that because I didn't really know what I would do with that information. I would probably take the information, think I got to fix it. I got to do da, 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 da. So I didn't really think that me having the information was going to be as productive for our relationship as possibly you know, someone else in their relationship. Cause I've got a, a, my best friend and her daughter were like, she would tell her everything. And I was like, <gasps> I don't know if, what I would do with that, you know, cause I'm so focused on parenting. So, you know, I think that's something every parent has to just decide on their own, like how will they receive it? And if they can receive it in a way that the child doesn't feel like they're letting us down or we're going to fix it or those kinds of things, uh, then by all means, define what you want that to be with you and your children. So, you know, it's just a per individual basis that uh, parents can decide that with their children. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the non-negotiables that you had as a parent. I think it is good to establish that, you know, there's some things that you can be a little more flexible on and there's some things in this family that are non-negotiable and you definitely have those. Yes. You know, I think about my Montessori training and everything, and we had this mantra in the classroom, you can do whatever is right. (laughs) And so really the non-negotiables were anything that did not contribute positively to the family, did not contribute positively to, you know, you're getting conducive to getting your schoolwork done and all the responsibilities you have for that. And 
we were going to church, we were going to, you know, work on our spiritual growth. And so you had to do that. So, you know, starting with, we are going to church every Sunday, we are going to church every Wednesday, you're going to not date till you're 16, you're going to not have a cell phone until you're 16. You're, I mean, it was like these things. And for me, it wasn't just so much just about those things. It was at 16, you reach a level of maturity that I felt was rewarded by having, you know, you could, you now then were able to take care of someone else or start thinking about somebody else's wants and needs and be respectful. And so, you know, those are just some of the things in the book that I wrote down. You're going to do your chores. You're going to participate every week with our family, the curry machine, I would call it. <laughs> so dishwashing, was- dishwashing, very dishwashing. important in the curry house. Yes, yes. And if you didn't participate that week, then the other things outside the house had to like take a back seat as well. So, yes. And you brought up faith. And I know that that's a huge part of your life. How did how did your faith influence how you parented? Um, And were you always that way? I know you were brought up that way. Did you take a little break and then sort of get back on track once you had kids or were you always a very um, faith based person? I was raised um, to go to church. Uh, My grandmother, you know, you could do whatever you wanted six days a week, but Sunday morning you're getting up and going to church. And I guess it was just a ritual kind of thing for her and a kind of a traditional kind of thing. So I grew up in the church, but, you know, having a personal relationship with, with God, I didn't really have, I didn't know what that felt like. And it was kind of like what I'm talking about now in my book with my children. It was like, I kind of saw God as my dad and not my friend. (laughs) And so it was kind of like, all right, I'm going to do right. I'm going to do everything you say in your book that I need to do because these are the rules of the house. These are the rules that, you know, that are taking place and the expectations for me. And I'm going to do that because I'm a goody two shoes girl right now. I'm doing (laughs) it. And then got to college and kind of was like, I didn't have a church that I would go to. So I kind of got away from it. And then when I uh, had Stefan, after I had Stefan and we moved to Charlotte, it was just like, I missed that grounding. I missed that foundation. And I want my children to have that foundation of church and the word and the Bible. And so then started back up and just felt like I couldn't be the parent that I needed to be without that. And so, you know, got back into the church and then eventually worked my way towards or a journey towards a personal relationship with God. Um, And it was a lifesaver. It was a lifesaver for me because it bought me back, grounded me and and helped me focus on parenting. And, you know, being young and being in the NBA and having all those things at, you know, at the tip of your fingers and just the world, I had nothing to worry about. Right. Got a little sideways as I say. (laughs) The things of the world became very important um, or enticing. And so, you know, getting back into the church really helped me just focus back on being a parent. So we were talking about faith and how that really helps ground you. I'm wondering if there's other ways that you were able to stay true to you, right? Because you can get wrapped up in, you know, being the wife of, being the mom of, and for those of us who aren't in the spotlight in that way, you can still 
that can still happen for women out there. They lose track of themselves and they play in the role of mom a lot. So how did you um, stick to you? I think one coming from a family of very strong women and, and matriarchs, like they help keep you grounded. Like you're not going to get too haughty about yourself. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, being around, you know, family helps help keep me grounded. And we only live two hours from my hometown. And so everybody was up every weekend around us. So, you know, we always had our family and we have a huge family, extended family. Dale and I both do. And so that helps having those people around you uh, as a support system. Having my school helped keep me grounded because I, I had a purpose outside of the home and I could go and I could just be with other parents and help them and see the things they were going through uh, and support them and be around children. So that helped me stay grounded as well. And then my faith, of course, just, you know, my church family just helped, you know, whenever there were struggles, I knew I could trust them, could go to them and not just to tell me what I wanted to hear, but to tell me what I didn't want to hear. And that that means a lot, whether it was fun or whether it was just Ooh, that hurt a little bit, (laughs) but you need that. You need that in your life. So I have a constant support system uh, around me that, again, just helps you stay focused and true, true. You got to stay true to yourself. Now, I know that you said once the book was out that you took the time to handwrite notes to each one of your children. Tell us about that and why you thought that was important. You know, that's been something that I've always done and even... Again, through Montessori in the school at the end of the school year, we would tell every child that what one individual thing was great about them at the end of the year, because it's really, really important to me that people understand they're important. They are important. And we don't do that enough with each other. We just don't stop and let people know we see them. And so I wanted my children to understand that I see them like I still see them no matter whether they're 30 or whatever. They're still going to always be our babies and to really let them know how much I appreciate them as human beings, because I couldn't have written this book without their support over the last two years. And uh, and for them being okay with me sharing our stories, them being proud of me and encouraging me to do it, I would not have been able to do it. So I just wanted them, each one, even my um, daughter-in-laws and son-in-law, I did the same thing for them because uh, we're a family and um, we need each other. And I just wanted wanted them to know how much I appreciate them. And I'm sure that they are so proud of you. It's their turn. (laughs) You have been their cheerleader for all these years and now you've come out and been so open and, uh, as I said, courageous for talking about some of the things in this book. So I'm sure that your children, it's their turn now to be proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today and for your vulnerability and just being so open and honest with us. I really appreciate it. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Mom to Mom, the podcast. I told you you were going to love Sonia Curry. She is so real, so vulnerable. Just give it to us straight. And I, I like I said at the beginning, I just appreciate 
how open she was. I mean, we talked about things that are so difficult to talk about. Um, so that was just such a great interview. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you all for tuning in today. Just a reminder, you can catch all of our Mom to Mom episodes. We've been doing these for a long time now. So there's quite the compilation anywhere you find uh, your podcast. And if you're in the New England area, you can watch the podcast as a television show. It's on Mondays at 1130 a.m. on NBC10 Boston. And it's a lot of fun. And I would love to see you there. In the meantime, have a great day. Have a great week. And we'll see you back here next time on Mom to Mom. <laughs>